Welcome friends and welcome strangers. Welcome to A Beautiful Thought. Fortunately, I don't have an interview for you today, but I wanted to go through a few ideas with you that help me put things into perspective when the world gets a little crazy. So I want to talk to you about the grand confusion. Now, if you are having difficulty in this time, if you're experiencing some kind of mental anguish, you don't really know how to make sense of things, I might be able to help you with that. So stay listening to the end of the podcast and I'll tell you a bit about the cognitive behavioral services that I'm offering. Let's begin. Welcome, beautiful thinkers. I'd like to talk to you today about some mental tools for remaining calm in a time of unusual confusion. And we certainly are facing one of those times. You know, I find that generally the best way, if things are going weird, if things are going as you didn't expect and it gets to you, starts to affect you emotionally, normally the best way to deal with it is by looking at those emotions, meditating on them, exploring them, cradling them, or touching them with the sort of relaxed attachment. But there are also things that you can do mentally that can prepare you, perspectives on the world which can make things seem a little less daunting. So you never have to get into that spot or you're less likely to get into that spot where you have those strong, uncomfortable emotions. One thing is the Hegelian dialectic. Now, I think a lot of you people, a lot of you folks probably know this Machiavellian interpretation of the Hegelian dialectic which is problem, reaction, solution. And this is one form of it. It's like how you take a Hegelian dialectic and use it to manipulate a populace. So problem, reaction, solution, if you don't know, what happens is a government causes a problem. For example, classic example was the Reichstag fire in Germany. So... According to many historians, what happened was Hitler sent his men to burn down the parliament, the Reichstag, and then later, the next day, he could blame it on communists, his political enemies, and get them imprisoned, make it illegal to be a communist and get them imprisoned, and thereby advancing his power. So the problem caused by the government burning down the parliament, the reaction the media responds to it and say, ah, the communists are evil and the people become incensed because of that. And then the solution is offered, make communists illegal. So that's one view of a Hegelian dialectic. But that's if, if you only have that view of it, it can be a, a bit limiting because what a Hegelian dialectic really is, is a way to view history. Is a way to view how things happen over time. So, 
For example, if there's a strong right-wing presence in a country at some time, what will normally happen is this pendulum will swing the other way and eventually they'll become very leftist or progressive. Or if it swings too far to the left again, then, then it will swing to the right. And this is like the march of history or the, the dialogue of history. And likewise, if governments become too authoritarian, a lot of the time it will swing the other way and they'll say, no, we want more and more liberty. That's what happens at least over, over the long term. And here's another thing that came, came up the other day about predictive programming. So you're not fam- if you're not familiar with the term, predictive programming is like, it's the idea, maybe you call it a conspiracy theory, I suppose, but there, there are certain facts to, to back it up. What it means is when governments or powerful interests put things into TV shows or other mass media to get people prepared for certain ideas, so when it actually happens, it seems like no, not such a big deal. So there was that movie... I think it was called The Siege with Denzel Washington and Bruce Willis. And then coincidentally, soon afterwards, 9-11 happened. And so it was like in the movie, it portrays this kind of crisis more extreme even than what happened actually in New York City. And so when people actually went through that, they already had some idea in their minds of what it might look like. So the other side of that is even when we have certain warnings from history. So say we have these books like Brave New World and 1984. And people will ask, what is this? Like, was George Orwell attempting to warn people or was he actually laying things out and getting people prepared for what was going to happen? Was he kind of evil, some kind of globalist or new world order agent who's going to set these things upon the world. From my perspective, it doesn't matter. The the two things are the same. Warning people and planting a seed, they're the same thing. And the stage of history, they are the same because you can't warn people without planting a seed and you can't plant a seed without also warning people. So these things kind of go together. It's like good or bad. Who can say? And we don't necessarily need to make such harsh judgments about the things that happen. Likewise, there's a lot of things going down in Australia right now. And it seems like what's happened is people have become aware of this threat, which is a virus. And the threat seems to be very much exaggerated in the media and by the government. And as a consequence, what will happen? What can they not avoid happening? It means, it must mean, that people are going to question more in the future. This is why I call this event a crash course in discernment. So this is something that happened here in Mexico with the chupacabras. Now, a lot of people, of course, know the popular understanding of the chupacabras. They say, well, it's like uh, Mexico's Bigfoot, Mexico's cryptid. 
is another view of the chupacabras, which is that around 1991, 93, there's a lot of things going wrong in the Mexican economy. The central bank had printed too many pesos and it was on the verge of collapse around that time. The media, the papers, the TV started running all these stories talking about the chupacabras, the goat sucker, running around killing goats and killing cattle and sucking all the blood and destroying farmers' livelihoods and all kinds of terrible things. You know, maybe they were talking about food shortages. I don't know. But they blew it up. They made it as big as possible to talk about this thing. Meanwhile, what was eventually happening, the peso collapsed and they had to devalue it. I believe it was 1,000 to 1. So 1,000 pesos was now one new peso. And so your bank account suddenly went from 1 million to 1,000. Of course, by that stage, the damage was already done, but this is to represent the level of severity that the peso collapsed reached. So again, the, the point about this is Mexicans now know, not every Mexican, but a lot of Mexicans are aware of that. And they know that the media and the government can mislead when there's something going on. And a lot of people around the world have noticed this too, especially when there's crazy stuff in the news cycle. A lot of the time it means that other stuff is getting buried. Now, what happens? Governments push a little too far. The media pushes a little too far. Australians eventually lose their innocence and they say, okay, I guess we can't just trust these institutions, which we trusted for so long. And that's what must inevitably happen. I don't know when or how exactly, but that's, that is what's very likely to happen. So the point of this is maybe we don't need to worry so much about the, the state of the world. Oh, I'll get back to the Hegelian and dialectic. So the normal formulation or the standard formulation is thesis, antithesis, and th synthesis. So what happens is there's normally a cultural ideal or a cultural assumption, which is very prevalent in a culture, very prevalent in a populace. And because it's so prevalent, Obviously, eventually people are going to start to question it because that's just what people do. It's <laughs> it's some, something that happens is like if you get something forced down your throat for some so long, eventually you're going to start to say, hmm, no, I'm looking for something else. And a lot of the time people will look for an extreme reaction right on the other side. They might say, I'm going to reject your point of view entirely. And so they come up with something very opposite. It's like they're rebelling, just like with a child rebelling against their parents. They want to reject their parents' authority. They also reject a lot of the good things that come with their parents' authority. And eventually, what happens? And they move into synthesis, which means just, just like this child, he rebels from the time he's 14 until he's 18. He gets to 19, 20 years and he starts to realize, hang on. My parents were actually pretty smart about a lot of things. They had some good advice. Not all of it was good. 
the controlling, the domination of my life. That wasn't necessarily good in a lot of cases, but they did know a lot of stuff. And now I can embrace that. So I take the good from both sides and maybe even form something new from a new perspective of the world that doesn't just combine the best of the thesis and antithesis, but moves them, transforms them into a new ideal. And this is what happens with history. This is like Hegel's way of interpreting history because we can see all these ideas move through the, the history books and eventually they resolve. The reason this makes me feel or lets me feel a lot more calm is because I know that whatever is happening now, it's part of a process. So these things happen today and as a result, different things will happen tomorrow and we will continue moving through and changing and developing and reacting, rebelling against movements or against institutions that are a little too strong. And in the long term, things work themselves out. So, of course, this doesn't necessarily help you if things are happening to you directly. Like if there are things that have to you have to deal with on an everyday basis or things that are real for you in your experience, like physical in front of you, things that you can see before your eyes, things, things that block you, you know, police keeping you indoors and fining you hundreds of or thousands of dollars for not staying in your home. Okay, that's, those are things that directly affect you. But for a lot of the things, a lot of the things that we hear about in the news, in websites and whatever, aren't things that will directly affect you or their effects are very indirect. And so we can always take this with this grain of salt and say, okay, yes, maybe these things are happening if they're being reported accurately. But there is more to the story. There is more of a reaction. There is an ongoing process which is going to resolve sooner or later and become something new. The other thing about confusion, so there's a bit of change of pace. There are these weird things happening. And a lot of people are telling me that they're having interesting experiences spiritual experiences they might not describe them as so but from my perspective that's that's what they are so for example i did that interview with my buddy super ego talking about how he got into a fight with his brother and then he had a sort of vision he saw his ego as something separate from himself and he began to explore that and had all sorts of interesting feelings because of that so there are interesting things happening. And also, for, for another example, uh, a friend told me that she broke up a, a long-term relationship and she started to explore herself and she had these sudden realizations about herself and her life. And she saw things in a different light and now she feels happier than ever, coming very suddenly. Another friend told me, that she had these panic attacks where everything becomes extremely vivid 
it's like in that moment she's very sensitive to things and i say it's a panic attack but there were aspects of this that were frightening but there were also aspects of it that were pleasant or at least interesting and she she even described them as like psychedelic panic attacks very interesting something that happened to me the other morning i woke up early and went back to bed for a nap thinking well maybe sometimes when i have a nap i have a lucid dream so maybe i'll have a lucid dream and in fact i had a very strange class of dream i was i was slipping in and out of dreams i was having this dream where i'm climbing a pyramid with my friend i slipped out of that dream and then i tried to maintain my awareness or try to meditate a little bit reflexive attention focusing on my awareness and then what happened suddenly i saw something very vivid it was like this computer monitor like a tft computer monitor about 10 15 years old and it had this website on it talking about the space flu this is an extremely vivid dream and extremely strange and like in that moment it was like i was seeing and like i had opened my eyes some other stuff happened some images flashed before me very quickly and i woke up because i was so alarmed and i thought what is happening and this is like of course many people know the story of twang Tzu's butterfly so twang goes to sleep and the master has this dream about being a butterfly and he's flying around having a great time no worries in the world then soon he wakes up he looks at himself and says huh i'm not a butterfly i am trying chow the master and he says to himself well, how do i know perhaps i was twang dreaming that i was a butterfly or perhaps now i am a butterfly dreaming that i am twang and that's the the great mystery because we can never know for sure but i never had that experience so directly when i woke up i really didn't know at least for those few minutes i was completely unsure whether this was the dream or that was the dream it was that vivid so a lot of people having these extremely unusual experiences and i don't know if it has something to do with the dawning of the age of aquarius it's like in the song <laughs> uh, i've done a little research in this apparently nobody really knows when the dawning of the age of aquarius is because it's it's not a, a set point there's like these two constellations which make the zodiac signs and there's no clear point or no clear line where it crosses from one to the other so nobody really knows when it begins right or the other thing is like the procession of of the equinox or people know it as the ticking over of the mayan calendar in 2012 or another thing that i've written about before is the prophecy of chic xavier if you're curious about this you can watch a documentary it's called deadline you can look it up on youtube search for the english version chic xavier was this brazilian mystic 
voted three or four times the greatest Brazilian of all time. Well, people might think of Brazil as a Catholic nation. Of course, you have that great statue, Christ the Redeemer. What people might not realize, if they haven't met a lot of Brazilians, there's a strong presence of spiritualism. So it's, it does have something of a Christian tradition behind it, but it's also about exploring spirituality directly and even interfacing or interacting with spirits, guiding lost souls, and in the case of Chic Xavier, channeling spirits from other realms. At least, according to Xavier, this was, this was what happened. So the guy wrote, the, the fellow wrote about 400 books during his lifetime, and there were another 30 or 50 published posthumously, which is a great achievement just to begin with. But then there's the idea that these are actually channeled from another realm. So there's a lot to say about that. But Chico's uh, prophecy was that what happened in 1969 when humans first set foot on the moon, 50 years from that time, the galactic forces, these galactic spirits, would have to make a decision about whether Earth was good enough, or whether humanity, I should say, was good enough to continue. Because we had this grand test with nuclear weapons and two world wars, there was this great degree of uncertainty whether we would continue. And supposedly... Reality is something like a 20-story building, like a skyscraper, and we might be on the third or fourth story. Now, if we start a fire on the third or fourth story, obviously it affects all of the other floors, the, the ones above us and the ones below us. And so that's why these galactic spirits were concerned about the fate of humanity and maybe the, maybe humanity would have to actually end. We survived those years, and so we passed the test. And so, according to Xavier's prophecy, that means we move into the next level of advancement, like we're getting welcomed into the Galactic Federation or something like that, which, of course, would mean that a lot of changes would have to be made. Now, I don't make any strong claims whether that's true or not. I do claim that it's fascinating, but there are all these reasons to think that maybe what is happening right now isn't just government overreach or isn't just controls because of a virus. There are a few signs pointing to something perhaps more interesting happening. And like I said, the march of history is not necessarily that a particular actor is good or bad. So like in Melbourne and Victoria, you have the, this premier Dan Andrews, and people are calling him Dictator Dan and all these kinds of things, and saying he's in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party or under the thumb of the World Bank. I don't know. But in the march of history, maybe it's a different thing. Maybe he is an actor or some kind of person who must play this particular role in order to keep people indoors, 
because if people were to go out to the streets and have parties and things while there's a lot of spiritual change going on, perhaps it would just be too much chaos. So maybe it's one thing, maybe it's another. That's that's uh, <laughs> another part of this. We don't have to feel too attached to any particular interpretation of events. Of course, we must play our own part, and that's sometimes where it gets a little more difficult. <laughs> but in terms of the grand scheme of things, maybe we don't have to worry so much what it means, or we don't have to be so fixed in thinking about what it means. Everything has a purpose. When things happen, of course, we're going to interpret them according to our life experiences, things we've read, the people we hang out with. But the things that are happening, they aren't necessarily in alignment with our original interpretation. Whatever happens, these things will help us exercise discernment. So that's some things to keep in mind like a Hegelian, Hegelian dialectic, the march of history. Things move from one side to another, and then they transform, they synthesize. And we don't know what these events really mean, especially not while we're in them. So that can keep us remain a little more calm. We can just look at these things with a little more detachment and just tend to our gardens so those are some ideas for you i hope in this confusing time that will alleviate some of the stress of transformation whatever kind of transformation we are undergoing thank you for listening have a wonderful day a beautiful thought thank you for listening so if in these difficult times you are experiencing some kind of mental anguish, some confusion about what to do or how to handle these strange situations, or if perhaps you're even having the kind of unusual experiences that I described in the episode, maybe you would like to do some cognitive behavioral sessions with me. So I use these cognitive behavioral techniques. We explore what's going on in your mind. I listen and I do my best to understand you. And then we can start to ask these questions like, what do you want? What do you want out of life? Like, what would your life look like ideally if it's not like it is in, in the situation at the moment? And then we start to formulate an action plan. So it's not me telling you what to do. I don't really like to do that. <laughs> But instead, we, we collaborate, we throw out some ideas and make some suggestions and come up with something that seems agreeable to you, that you feel comfortable executing, but will probably also stretch your comfort zone a little bit so you can learn to grow as a person and also to implement the insights that you receive during the session. So the other day, did a session with my friend Ariel, and she had this to say. She sent me this little testimonial. She said, I was blown away by how effective Kurt's approach is and how deeply we explored my emotional reality. 
Kurt merges CBT, mindfulness, and his own idiosyncratic wisdom with no-nonsense practical steps. I'm left with a newfound appreciation for CBT and for Kurt's therapeutic skills. Exclamation point. (laughs) So that's the kind of thing that people are saying about the sessions that they're doing with me. Go on to the website, beautifulpodcast.com, and you see in the header, it says CBT sessions. You can book a session with me, have a look at the schedule, and go ahead. Let's talk it out. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. That's the important thing.